in an aeroplane, we never take off unless we're 100% certain we're going to get to the destination that we're aiming for. You know, we don't, um, we don't just go, oh, let's give it a go. You know, the adventure will be part of it. You know, like, let's just, um, let's create the possibility of getting to Hawaii and just uh, set off and see if we make it. Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. I think one of the wonderful things about this profession is it's possible to operate your coaching business pretty much independent of location, particularly if you work entirely online over video calls and the like. Uh, and that's a big plus point if traveling is your thing. Today's guest is an extensive traveler, not least because his previous career was as an airline pilot. And when I say extensive traveler, I think even after that career, um, he, I think he spent a further two years traveling before returning to his native New Zealand earlier this year. And he and his business partner now run Cockpit Coaches, a business helping redundant airline pilots all over the world create new opportunities for themselves. He's a podcast host he's building his dream home in his homeland he's so many things actually and he's also in my experience an exceptional coach so i'm delighted for us to get to know him a little more huge welcome nathan seward hello hi phil hello thank you thank you for joining me and as i was saying just thank you really for showing up in my life um, at this time in the way that you have yeah i just really want to you know publicly acknowledge you for that um yeah, I, I I like to ask this question really to give some give some backstory um, to the conversation. What what was it that initially got you into perhaps personal development and then and then coaching and um, you know wanting to change careers in the way that you did? Yeah, I think it's a a lot of things actually. When I I think back, I've been in personal development probably since I was twelve or thirteen. The first book I read was uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was about 14. <laughs> it's just sort of into that kind of thing. And I think it was partly because I was um, gay, but struggling with my sexuality and also just, um, yeah, my, my family environment sort of drove me to try and find some answers to, to things. So I think it was sort of seeking answers and just seeking, um, yeah, uh, the question of why you know incredibly curious child you know wanting to know why and not really sort of trusting the people that were giving me the answers and sort of having a real commitment to finding answers myself so yeah i think i think i've been in personal development myself for a very long time yeah mm. so when did, when did you first come across coaching then really as a profession that had you drawn in into that I had a very bad breakup uh, with a boyfriend overseas that really rocked my world. I sort of felt like my whole life had gone swimmingly until that point, mm. uh, or at least I'd sort of created the life I had wanted to that point. And then the breakup was sort of a moment where I went, oh, you know, life isn't all just making things happen and happily ever after. 
and uh, there was a, a, a guy whose mailing list I joined, you know, about six months before, but he'd never sent out an email. So I got an email from him during this breakup saying, Hey, uh, his name was Phil as well. He's like, my name's Phil. And you know, I'm, I've just come out of the mountains. I've been in the mountains for a couple of months meditating and going on a very deep spiritual journey. And, uh, you know, I've decided I want to reach the consciousness levels of the Buddha and Jesus. And that's my life's journey. And I was like, man, what the hell is this email? And who is this guy? Why am I getting this email? And I remembered, oh yeah, I subscribed to this guy six months ago. And so I just sent him an email reply and said, wow, that's one of the most inspiring emails I've ever read. I've never heard of someone so confidently declare that they want to reach that level of consciousness. You know, I, I couldn't feel that I would ever be able to say that out loud. And he sent me a message back saying, Hey, well, I'm just put together this sort of 12 week program to teach what I've learned. Do you want to join? And I was like, no, <laughs> no. Even though I'm going through this worst rock bottom moment in my life, I was like, no, I don't need help. I don't need, need anything. And he was like, cool, no problem. You know, I'm here if you need me. And then I thought, what am I talking about? Like, this is a perfect opportunity. Signed up for that, that program, which was the first ever program or coaching program. I didn't know anything about that sort of thing. And it was incredibly transformative. And I worked with him one-on-one after that for two years. And that was sort of my intro to coaching. And it was just, uh, yeah, exactly what was needed at that moment and incredibly transformative. And I just fell in love with the whole idea from then. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's so common, isn't it? It's so, it's so um, yeah, it's so common that people experience coaching first through going through some of their own um yeah trauma or or pain or change and just experiencing the power of coaching um well it's amazing to sort of be going through that much trauma and pain and um yeah i know you can resonate with that and sort of not knowing not being able to see the light you know uh but then having someone that will hold your hand and go well I've got you. I can see the light. And I think the remarkable thing with that was, was working through not only that situation, but then creating a more extraordinary life as a result of that. So using that rock bottom moment or that moment of pain to actually springboard into something so much more than that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious about what that was, like, what, what is it that drew you? Obviously a, a, a very powerful experience, but what was it about that? You know, because some people are drawn into coaching for for various reasons before they think, oh, I want to help other people have this experience as well. What what was that for you? Well, it's not it's it's not a moment because I I don't know if this is for anyone else, but it, like to have some kind of moment, I think is it makes a nice story. But yeah. for me, it's like a lifetime of seeking, and I I was always had an entrepreneurial bug. I think reading like Rich Dad Poor Dad, oh, you've got to have a business. That's the way to get ahead. Um, so I was always looking for the business and we, I washed cars, you know, for 20 bucks a car when I was a kid. And, uh, my, my brother and I bought a fish and chip shop and we were going to franchise fish and chips in New Zealand. We did that for a couple of years while I was flying. And so I was always seeking to, to scratch this entrepreneurial itch outside of flying and hadn't really found the thing that sort of hit in terms of what felt good as a, as a business. And so once I'd worked with Phil for a couple of years, it was sort of the confluence of lots of different things. I was coming to the end of flying 
I knew I really wanted a business. I'd been in, you know, doing personal development and self-help myself since I was a kid. I'd now worked with a coach and it all kind of came together to go, well, this is a business and something I love and something I've been practicing for 20 years myself. This might be a fantastic idea to, to start a business with. Yeah, thank you for that. Because I, I have to say, I, I, I guess I'd made the assumption that you'd come across coaching and then it was like, okay, that plays a huge factor in, um, you know, giving up your career, stepping up, moving away from your career as a pilot. But was, was, there, more, was there more to that? Because you, you've just said, you know, you were coming to the end of your flying. So presumably there was something else at play there. Yeah, again, it was that entrepreneurial itch. And I knew that, I knew that flying was a boyhood dream. Uh, you know, with most pilots, that's the case. It's like they wanted to become an aeroplane when they were six and then realized they couldn't become an aeroplane. So the next best thing was to fly aeroplanes, mm -hmm. you know, when they <laughs> realized they could do that. So that was me. Uh, but I knew there was a deeper contribution. So I knew flying was very, it was very much what I loved and what I wanted to do. Uh, but it wasn't, there was a much deeper calling and contribution in me that wasn't being satisfied from flying aeroplanes. And uh, I took a contract flying job in Japan that was two weeks on, two weeks off. That was the schedule. And part of the reason I took that was to have that two weeks a month off to work on something else. I just thought, wow, the airline I'd worked for prior, which is uh, Virgin, was a very, very busy schedule. You know, it was just, I was away five or six days a week, you know, I'd come home for a day, wash my uniform, sleep, and then go to the airport and head off again for another week. And just was no room. There was no room to create anything new. So I saw this job in Japan and just thought, wow, that's the perfect job for me. I get to go and live in Japan. That seems really exciting. Um, I get half the month off. That seems exciting. It was about triple the pay of the last job. I was like, well, that's great. So <laughs> I sort of was going into that job with that idea that this would be a springboard again into something else. This would help me figure out something else. What was it like, really? I mean, gosh, you could probably make a whole episode just about this, but I'm really curious because to me, I'm, I am fascinated with people that make the leap, right, from essentially a guaranteed paycheck, pretty much, right, into that entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism. And, and, and building a coaching practice. So it's, it's, it's kind of a big question, is it? But what was that like? What was that like for you? Like, how did you, did you mitigate, mitigate the risk? Uh, did, did you jump off the cliff? That's what I did. I just quit my job without having, you know, I just done a few one-off sessions with people. I'd been doing that for a few years, just part-time, but I'd, I'd got no idea about running a coaching business. I just leapt off the cliff. So what was that? What was that transition like for you? When you learn how to run a coaching business, can you let me know? Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's horrible. It's uh, horrible, challenging, hard, confronting, and magical, fantastic, inspiring, everything, you know? Uh, and flying, it was, uh, flying was really fun, and it was very predictable, very comfortable, very easy. And so there's a moment I go back to often because in my moments when I freak out and go, which still happens, and I go, man, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is ridiculous. I, you know, I, I just think, man, I, could, I should just go back flying. It was easy. It was a guaranteed paycheck. And there was a moment I was flying from 
Singapore to Tokyo. It's about a seven hour flight and it sort of mostly tracks out east of Asia over the Pacific. So it's just a long stretch of out over the ocean. And I was so bored, Phil. Like I remember sitting in that plane, looking out at the ocean going, fuck, this is awful. Like I'm, my brain is so dead. Like I'm thousands of miles from home. I'm sitting here staring out the window. This is another precious day of my life gone. <laughs> and I just thought, gosh, I must have more of a contribution than just sitting here droning across the Pacific for hours. <laughs> I mean, so oftentimes I'll think about when things are really hard or I'm feeling really challenged or I've got some financial concerns or something, I'll, I'll go, uh, well, remember when you were sitting out over the Pacific on that flight and you were desperate for some challenge and some something exciting and you were sick of it being boring and comfortable well, this is it you're yeah. this is what feeling challenged and you know and, and having something that's a bit more uh, something to overcome this is what it feels like so this is what you wished for so i kind of remind myself of that and go oh yeah this is the challenging part this is kind of what i like you know even when i'm whinging about it <laughs> yeah. yeah how's that because since you've been working with um other airline pilots you know i imagine really what well, we've seen you know on the news there's just horrendous situation for the airline for the airline industry as well as well as a lot of people of course but um like this so much of that has just collapsed i can imagine that you have so much to give just by having gone through the experience of leaving that that profession anyway but also because who i've experienced you as with your just incredible presence yeah, just just simply, I, I don't really need to put words to it, but just who you are with somebody. Um, I can imagine that would be so helpful for people who feel like they're forced out of that profession through these circumstances. Is there anything in that with the people that you're helping that you're recognizing about yourself that you hadn't seen before? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah, I think I yeah, I see myself in all of these pilots every day, you know, when I'm talking to them, it's like, man, I, a couple of things. Yeah. It's such a good question because you can't, um, it's so hard for us to see ourselves, isn't it? Good, mm -hmm. good. And, um, and not so good. Um, so yeah, it, it's given me a real opportunity to see the impact of, you know, what a pilot career has on a human and, how oh that's me i have those traits i'm just a few few years ahead you know and working on them um so one example would be we we never in an airplane we never take off unless we're 100 percent certain we're going to get to the destination we're aiming for you know we don't um we don't just go oh let's give it a go you know the adventure will be part of it <laughs> You know, like, let's just, um, let's create the possibility of getting to Hawaii and just uh, set off and see if we make it. Like, oh it's gosh. not how we run it. You know, it's like, we will check everything 500 times. We've got a whole team of planners and engineers and refuelers and, and, and managers and passenger staff and cargo. We've got just a huge team behind us to ensure that this, each and every flight is executed flawlessly without risk. And so, uh, 
that naturally just drifts over to all parts of your life. You go, man, I'm just going to, if I'm buying a car, I'll make sure I get as much data as I can. I'll analyze it. I'll check with people. I'll go in. I'll, I'll go, go on the website and check all the details and compare it. And so we just very rarely make any decisions without knowing the outcome, uh, which is a thing. Not, not you know, very predictable. It minimizes risk and discomfort, but probably there's not a lot of excitement and joy and discovery in that. And so I see a lot of the pilots really struggling now to go, well, yeah, I know I can't fly, but what do I do? Well, what should I do? And I'll say, well, we don't really know. We sort of have to just set out and, you know, go step by step and see what we discover. And it's like, yeah, but where are we going? It's like, well, I, I don't know. I, we, it's not that easy. You know, it's, we don't know. We could kind of set off in a rough direction, but we're probably not going to really know where we're going to end up. And that's so challenging for them. And so I see that a lot in myself, you know, not so much anymore, but I can see, wow, how much I don't like failing or how much I will go, work so hard to mitigate the risk to know exactly that everything I try is going to work perfectly. Mm -hmm. I see that in myself a lot. Yeah, I, and I can imagine. I mean, that that doesn't sound at all compatible, really, with life as an entrepreneur, and, and in particular, like doing <laughs> exactly. a coaching business. Good grief! Because mm. you know, mm. it's it seems to me that really you, you have to be going in the other direction and uh, be willing to to take risks and and have no idea where you're going. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. And that's sort of the fun. That's where do you, where do you, where do you feel you are with your like? <sighs> noticing that trait in you um you've uh, how have you noticed your relationship with that trait changing uh, good question yeah i think if i look at the last business if i look at the pilot business the way we started that i can see i can see two things I can see like, Oh, the, um, the stress of needing to know that it's going to work. Like that comes up a lot, mm -hmm. but I can also see, Oh, I'm also really excited to see where we end up. I don't, you know, the creative part of me wants to kind of set off and go, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to a pilot tomorrow and he's going to give me a little insight. That's going to help take this business in a completely different direction. So one of the things we're looking at at the moment is, well, this is a great business in the middle of a pandemic, but you know, when the pandemic's over, what will there be a business here for us? You know, mm. and so that's a big unknown. I, I think there is. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but I think there is a business there, and I'm kind of excited to see where where we kind of end up with that, where where it takes us, what path we're going to end up going down. Um, so. Yeah, I can feel both parts of me, but I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have sort of carried on setting off and trying things in the past. I would have gone, no, where's it going? Like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Before I even tried. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I relate to that. I, I, I was talking to somebody recently um, about one of the things I've noticed about myself is actually. Uh, one of the changes is I actually quite enjoy finding out I've been wrong. 
because invariably and probably every time that I realize I was wrong about something, my life gets better. My life generally improves. And, and so that, mm. that in itself has like enabled a completely different relationship with, with being wrong. <laughs> Brilliant. So going off yeah, a little, I'm sure it allows you to seek out feedback and stuff a lot, yeah, lot more as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I had to that. That's like to me. That's one of the most beautiful things about coaching. Not necessarily helping somebody see they're wrong, or when I've been coaching, it's just to help them see what they haven't seen previously, or to see something in a different way. It doesn't. It's not about being wrong or right, but it's really as, as you said. Um, you know, and you describe what you're doing. A cockpit coaches about you know seeing other opportunities about other opportunities um i'm gonna go off a little tangent here so um like sure you i think i first came across you through your podcast and by the way i love that that was just that's simply called the nathan seawood show like awesome <laughs> very creative um as a fellow podcast guest so this is a very selfish question of mine but, you know they're all selfish questions anyway i only really ask what i'm interested in um you know how did how did that how did that come about the podcast like the naming of it I'm, I'm also curious how you chose guests and really what are your big lessons from that what was it 98 episodes i think last time yes I looked. committed to 100 i committed to 100 and i stopped at 98 which drives people with OCD <laughs> absolutely crazy yeah so what, what's the podcast story enjoy. what's the podcast story for uh you? the podcast story is uh when i started traveling uh after I left flying, I decided to live in a new city every couple of months for like two years. It was really fun. And I decided to write a blog, a travel blog. I call, called it um, Curiosity. And it was like city instead of with an S. And uh, I started writing these blogs. And after I'd written two of them, I was like, God, I hate writing blogs. Like, <laughs> this is so awful and painful. And I just don't enjoy writing. And then I started to think about it. I'm like, I don't even read blogs. Like, I'm not really an avid reader of blogs. Like, why am I, why am I doing a blog? And this is when blogs were cool, by the way. Uh, and so I kind of thought, well, what, what do I consume? Like, what am I a consumer of? And I realized, oh, I, I listen to podcasts basically all day. You know, I've got a podcast on in the shower, one on when I go for a run it's in the car, you know, just an avid podcast consumer. Um, and so I thought, man, I should, should do a podcast. And then that immediately felt terrifying. Uh, it was sort of before I was, or around the time I was starting coaching, I suppose. So I was kind of in the closet with personal development. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want anybody to know that I was into personal development. I felt very judged with you know, that sort of self-help stuff. And I, that was just something I did in my bedroom that nobody else saw. So the idea of creating a podcast about sort of personal development felt just tremendously, tremendously exposing, I suppose. Felt like I'd really have to come out, but that kind of found exciting, felt exciting. So I immediately created a podcast two years later <laughs> after that thought. And um, uh, yeah, decided I, I was with... Uh, rich litvin in in 4pc and we were talking about missions and that kind of thing and he he often asks the question uh what's what's the mission that brings you to tears and i thought oh what's that for me and at the time and actually still now new zealand has one of the highest suicide rates in the world and has the highest teen suicide rate in the developed world and majority men which is for most 
most Western countries, it's sort of 75, 80% men that commit suicide. And uh, that just really brought me to tears because I thought, man, I just don't. Well, I know that I know the pain of depression, you know, I know that pain, but I also just thought, wow, New Zealand is such a beautiful country and it's wealthy and it's wonderful. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lovely place to live. Why would we kill ourselves at a greater rate than anywhere else? It's mm -hmm. tragic. Yeah. And I'm living this really cool life and I've fulfilled my dream of being a pilot and I travel the world, but what's it all for if the people back home are sort of, you know, killing themselves at record rates? Like what's, what's it all for? And so I decided to sort of get to the bottom of it. And I thought, well, I could have a podcast where one, I could talk to people that know more about this than I do. And two, I thought, well, one of the things I discovered early on was that men in New Zealand and probably everywhere, but I was sort of focusing on New Zealand, really struggled to have open conversations about anything, really. Uh, so I thought, well, maybe I could just start having conversations with men in a podcast and I would sort of model it. I would model what it looks like to just talk about uncomfortable things and be vulnerable. And then the men could sort of listen to this in secret if they wanted to. Nobody would have to know they were listening and they could just sort of feel like they were a part of it. Mm. One of the beautiful things about the podcast, and maybe if you're listening to this right now, it's very intimate. You know, you hear Phil and I, you hear our voices in your earbuds very intimately you feel like you're really a part of this conversation so that's a really beautiful thing about this medium and so yeah i did did 50 episodes of that of interviewing people hour-long interviews uh and then i was talking to a friend of mine in new zealand and uh, he said, oh, I've listened to your podcast and i said oh okay cool what do you think he said well i listened to three episodes but it's a bit depressing isn't it you know you're just hearing all these people talking about all their problems and you know it's suicide and it's all a bit sad and i thought ah that's really interesting so i thought what's the flip side of suicide what's the other side of the coin and it would be sort of living an extraordinary life right something along those lines and i thought well what if i for the next 50 episodes i interviewed people that had created extraordinary lives for themselves so we sort of have half the show is looking at suicide and depression and struggles and helping men to open up and then the other half is on the flip side of what can you create? You know, what's there? What's possible? What what does an extraordinary life look like? And so that was sort of the second half of the of the yeah, show. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And I guess if somebody's listening to this, because I think uh, somebody said to me a few years ago who was coaching me and just said, you know, consider how you can help people and give people an opportunity to experience you without you being there and of course you know books and in particular podcasts because as you say it's much more intimate that's a beautiful platform to help people to have that experience um what would you say really to to anybody who's like toyed with the idea because what i've heard from you which i hadn't heard from many people people i i've spoken to a lot of people are like well i kind of just like the idea of having a podcast whereas yours feels much more mission driven you know, so mm. what would be your message to anybody listening to this who is indeed toying with that idea of creating something like a podcast? You know, it's a, the last I, the last episode I recorded was November 2019, so over a year ago. And 
three people in the last week have brought up my podcast independently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just out of the blue saying, hey, I listened to your podcast or actually ran into a guy that I haven't seen since high school about two weeks ago. And he said, man, I listened to every episode of your podcast and it inspired me to get into property development. This one episode I listened to, you know, and he said, I'd never like or comment on anything. You know, I just listen in the background, but I've listened to every one. And um, I was like, man, that's so cool. And this is a year after it finished, you know? So that's pretty cool. That makes me feel really good. That makes me feel like I'm contributing and um yeah, that just feels really nice. So that's a nice feeling that comes out of creating content. Uh, there's a guy, Leo Barbada, who created Zen Habits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got to hear him talk once and someone said to him, um, would you recommend starting a blog or doing something? And he said, well, unless you're, <laughs> he said you, unless you're willing to commit to creating something once a week for the next three to five years, don't bother. Mm-hmm. And that's a very deep statement because it filters out a lot. It filters out a lot. Like for the person that just goes, oh, I like the idea of having a podcast. If you ask them that question, they'll go, well, that seems a bit much. So it's like, good, don't do it. But if you think, yeah, I would love to commit to doing something once a week for the next three to five years. I really love that idea of talking about this thing or interviewing people about this thing or telling these stories or whatever the thing is you want to create, then go for it. But I think that's the best question I've ever heard. And I find that quite intriguing actually, because I I noticed, so I've been, I've created a podcast. Well, this is going to be what episode 84, 85, and that's taken four years. And I set my run rate of as every two weeks, but there's been times when I have taken a few months off. And I'm like, I've been completely okay with that. Like when this goes out, it will, I cannot remember them. It will, there will have been quite a break since the previous episode, but actually, I have to say, part of that is, gosh, I, I get, I'm, I'm really, really, I'm going to say, particular, fussy, use whatever language we want there, but the integrity of this podcast, given what it's about, really, you know, it's like an unfiltered look at what's going on. I, I really have to well, I choose to really follow my gut feeling. Like every guest I have on here, I feel connected to in some way and trust. That's a huge, so that's, you know, there's a huge prerequisite for me to trust this person I'm having on because there are a hundred of podcasts and, you know, I, I, I come across them occasionally people, they just come on a podcast and it's just another sales pitch. It's just, yeah, this is what I can do for you. These are the kind of people that I've helped and what have you. Whereas, you know, this is all about getting into the nitty gritty of who the person really is and perhaps showing that side of you that you might not have shown elsewhere. So I, I sometimes just run out of people, even though I get probably three emails a week, even from agencies and whatever pitching, clients but if i don't know these people i don't know so yes i i I get i wonder if there's a nuance to that you know that of of the commitment does that need to be a commitment like on a regular basis or like for me it was about being a commitment of that actually that was my commitment that i was going to provide that that i was going to provide that unfiltered look so it wasn't necessarily about the regularity it it was that Mm. Well, what would it, what, what comes up for you if you had to do it once a week without fail? Immediately is, oh my God, where am I going to find these people? 
Like it was great at the start. Like there were so many people that I knew and I have a lot of friends and people that I do trust in this profession. So of course, you know, the, the first probably 20, 30, even 40 episodes are people that I was really, really well connected with. Right? But then you start running out and, and, and it's a matter of diving deeper. And, and, and I guess that's why over the last, well, it's been a year and I think I've only released probably 10 episodes. So that's the thing. It's not, a, it's not to me that like it's, this year I had somebody help me with the production um, because that was, you know, my business done pretty well this year. It's funny we talk about the pandemic. I've had I've had the best year I've had in about three years. Um, so um, somebody helped me with the actual production because I noticed that that was, I was using that as resisting creating more content. But right now it's just about, okay, well, where are these people? Because I certainly love having these kind of conversations. So I guess there's something in that, isn't there, is, is identify to me it's it's that thing again over and over about providing something of service are you committed to producing something that is of service mm. yeah it's a good point i guess it's, it's whatever you want the commitment to be um one of the like just a straight tip <laughs> is that uh I, I used to like right from episode one i said uh, i sent an email to the guest the next day and said hey uh awesome having you on the show now that you've experienced what the show's about and having been on it, could you introduce me to one person that you think would be a great fit for the show? And that kind of rolled me on for months, you know, it just like, and it was an automated email that just got sent after the, right. the next day. Right. And that I just got constant <laughs> recommendations and I just got to follow that, which was kind of fun actually, because you sort of never knew, but you were trusting that that person was yeah. going to. Yeah. Really that's interesting gosh i don't know what <laughs> okay there's another thing that i guess um i haven't asked but there certainly ha has happened that way like, i've had guests on and they're like oh my gosh yeah. you know i know somebody who would who would make a great fit for this and you know we've had them on and of course they have been you know that personal recommendation so yeah thank you for that thank you for that welcome yeah um, i've also seen the word minimalism um in your content which of course as an extensive traveler would make sense i guess make life a little bit easier but what does that mean to you minimalism uh i was a minimalist before it was cool by the way so before there was documentaries and books about it uh it means removing all the things in your life that are heavy and superfluous in order to make room for the things that are really important so it's not just about getting rid of all your jeans or your dresses. That's one part of it, but it's sort of looking at your life and going, you know, what are the four or five things in each area of my life that are truly important? I read a book about this um, years ago uh, about minimalism. And one of the exercises they did was you wrote down all the people that you interacted with in the average sort of week and then you put them into a category, whether it was sort of family or close friend or acquaintance. And then you allocated how much time you spent with each of them in a week. And you also put how important that person was in your life. And it sort of showed me that, man, I spend 80% of my time with people that I don't consider to be important or mm. you know, are not the most important people mm -hmm. in my life. Right. So for example, oh, I would say, you know, my parents are obviously incredibly important to me, but I spend 80% of my time having coffee with a guy from work, you know, 
catching up with someone, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but it just gave me a lens to kind of go, oh, you say these things are really important. Yes, yet you invest all your time elsewhere. Uh, and so it got me to like really refocus and go, right, this is where I want to invest my time. So that would be an example of a minimalist philosophy of going, okay, sometimes we have to sacrifice the coffee with the acquaintance in order to make room for the people that really, really matter. God, that's such a, I, I, you know, as far as minimalism goes, we, it, we hear it spoken of um, so much in, re, in, in regards to like physical possessions and what have you, but yeah, yeah that's, that's only a, one part of it. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So does that play out in your business also? Good question. I guess so. Uh, you know, because coaching is, is sort of a phone, that's it really isn't it or, or a laptop and that's it so yeah the, that was sort of part of the appeal of coaching is i could travel the world with just a laptop and and create a business at the same time which i kind of feel is a bit sort of oversold these days it's a bit sounds like a bit of a tacky sales pitch but at the time that's just genuinely what i wanted to do i wanted to coach and and travel so it sort of worked really well for me um yeah now that i, I i'm you know, this is, I've been in New Zealand since April. It's now December. So this is the longest I've been in one place for probably 10 years, I, I would say. Uh, so now I, like I have a home here and, you know, but I'm still, I don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I don't have a lot of stuff. I'm sort of aware that material things have not brought me that much joy. Yeah. How long were you away? How long were you away from New Zealand before you returned this year? Uh, about six years. I, I always came back for the summer to New Zealand. I'd come back and spend a month or two over the summer. Right. That's Christmas time and the summer's beautiful here. Uh, but yeah, I left in, in 2014. Because I'm curious yeah. about this because I'm now considering like, okay, I've been in Bali for a little over a year and, um, you know, I just feel like it, it's it's time for a number of reasons and just crazy things going on in the UK. Like, um, so mm, really not sure exactly when, but it's going to happen within like a week or two months. I don't know, maybe longer, who mm. knows, right? But um, one of the things that I'm kind of wondering and, and friends have said to me, well, I wonder what this version of Phil is going to see in England, you know, that he didn't see when he left, or indeed perhaps, you know, that, that mm. again, this mirroring that goes on. Um, so what's been your experience of that? Like, does New Zealand look different? Do you, are you seeing yourself differently having returned to actually live there? Yeah, well, I left as a pilot and I came back as a, an entrepreneur, you know, as a coach, which is very weird. Uh, Cause all my friends here are pilots. So that's very weird. Um, I was just thinking of that T.S. Eliot quote. He says, uh, mm. we shall not, shall not cease our expiration, but at the end of our journey will be to return to the place from which we left and know the place for the first time. Yeah. I think that's very appropriate, is that you kind of come back and... Yeah, I felt that very early on, actually. When I used to come back from Japan, I felt that. Not so much this time. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's been quite challenging because I... And, well, it's not challenging. It's just different. You know, this, this, this is the place where I grew up, where I was born, where I went to school. And so there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of that energy. There's a lot of that young energy here. And yeah, like I was 
you know, discovering my sexuality. I was bullied at school. Like that's all here. That energy's all here. So for me, it's returning home and kind of going, right. I actually, the preface to that would be, I think I ran away from home a lot, you know, in these latter years, I think I was running away from stuff as much as I was going towards adventure. So coming back here and going, right, I'm back. How do I want to create this? I don't want to come back here and have this be some different version of my childhood energy. I want to come back here and I want to create this in a whole new way. And so what would that look like? And it means creating new relationships. So seeking out the adventurous, uh, entrepreneurial, personal development areas of this place, you know, and, and kind of cultivating those relationships, which I've never done before. It's maybe upgrading and, and transitioning some relationships that need moving. So taking responsibility from that rather than going, Hey man, you know, I've outgrown you, man. Like those relationships just dropped away, you know, going, well, I don't really want them to drop away, but it takes something to reconnect and kind of go, Hey, I'm not the person that I used to be. I'm still me and I still love you, but uh, I, we have to create this connection differently now. Yeah. So that takes something that really takes a lot of energy and I'm, I make, I'm not doing it well all the time, you know, but that's my intention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can relate to that. Even actually, even just, um, even when I was in the UK and I was, you know, I was traveling a fair bit and I would go away for perhaps months at a time and go to coaching training and coaching events. And, you know, you come back and you're a little different each time and just noticing how existing connections were changing and not necessarily evolving in the same way that, that I was. And then having to, having to let go, choosing to let go of some of those. Well, that's, I think that's what, uh, you know, the, the spiritual journey is, uh, the spiritual journey should have you feeling more connected to people, right? Like, could we assume that? Do you think? Gosh. I mean, if there's a, if a, a, you know, a spiritual journey that has you feeling disconnected and separate from people, something seems a bit squirrely about that, doesn't it? So. I'm just going to say, I'm going to use the G word as in like my spiritual journey has me feel more connected to what God is for me. And that is definitely not in any kind of religious connotation. You could call that spirit, you could call it the universe or whatever, but I feel more connected to that. And, and, and in a, in a kind of, in our awareness and a knowing that I am that. So like, you know, it sounds so mm. cliche, but I'm, I'm more connected to, to the, I am you, you are me to the extent that actually it then it liberates only in that awareness, of course, right? It liberates the suffering of perhaps losing the 3D, if you like, the 3D, those connections. But, but of course, we live in this, we live in this 3D, this, in this reality. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't ever suffer, as, as you well know. <laughs> you know, that, that we're still in this, still in this world. But there is just this awareness, if you like, that even if through our, uh, the way we relate has changed and we're not so connected in the way we relate, we still are connected. At least that's mm. just how it looks to me. Yeah. 
I wonder if sometimes too that we when we when we grow or shift or change or whatever the word is, transform, that we almost don't like seeing our old reflection and our old connections, or we don't want to be with who we used to be, or you know, or the, when someone sort of interacts with us or treats us like the old version of us, whether it's like I'm not that anymore. I you know yeah. I'm, <laughs> I outgrew that. I'm better than that, and I don't. Maybe it's sort of not wanting to be with that not sure that's true but i just i wonder sometimes if that's that's it but i just yeah the thing that hasn't been sitting with me is is this uh, idea of just kind of outgrowing people or you know as opposed to going how can i take responsibility for bringing them with me or no, shifting no, that connection well upgrading uh, it you know be, before i came to bali and the year before that like i had uh, a few friendships that changed and dissolved if you like you know people who had been friends that i would i would go out with two or three times a month they'd been friends for 20 years a guy who'd been friends with me for 36 37 years who then you know just made it clear they they didn't want to hang out with me anymore they didn't want to be friends anymore and yeah that fucking hurts <laughs> it hurts yeah, that's painful, to, like, to, to face up to that and um actually being here has helped has helped with that has helped me to be much more okay with that and still be perhaps this is another way of describing what i've just said like be more accepting of that so no longer resisting the change in the shape in the form of those connections of those friendships and still allowing myself to feel that love that is still there very much for these people very very much so Mm. yeah cool thank you for that nathan i've just got two more questions bearing in mind the time so um i noticed as well okay so i think i i can't remember where i read it i think it probably is in one of the one of your posts um about your building a dream home and uh so i'm guessing that that, that sounds exciting to me so i'd love to hear from you like what is that for you what's your plan there what what is exciting about that for you yeah, well, I had the idea when I was in Japan and I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I didn't have any plans to return to New Zealand, but I was thinking, gosh, I really want to build my dream home. Where's it going to be? And I was sort of open to, I felt like a citizen of the world at that point. So I was open to it being anywhere. So I was sort of going, wow, is it in Vancouver? Is it in the south of France? Is it in Italy? Is it on an island somewhere? And I woke up one day in, in Japan and just went, gosh, I think it's New Zealand and I think it's Waiheke Island. And I turned to my partner at the time and he said, well, you say you've considered everywhere in the world and it's you've decided New Zealand, New Zealand is that. I mean, yeah, it sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? But that does feel like it. And so I opened the property uh, website in bed and just searched Waiheke Island land go. And this property came up and it was the exact image that i had in my mind of what i wanted it was something that was up on a hill that was surrounded by native forest but you could also see the ocean and be close to the beach and it was just this perfect picture the very very first picture and uh i bought it so <laughs> i i bought the very first image i saw yeah wow. not right then and there i flew to new zealand and checked it out but that's that's the one i ended up buying and 
Oh, it's just phenomenal. Like I, I remember walking through it. It's 10 acres and it's, it's all forest. I remember walking through the forest the first time and just going, gosh, something, this is special. I felt a similar feeling in Ubud actually in Bali. I'm just going, wow, this is such a special place. I feel so joyous here. I feel just a natural feeling of joy here. Uh, yeah. And so moving back to New Zealand at, at the start of this year really inspired me to kick that project off and actually start building something on it. And I just want it to be a, a place where people from all around the world can come and convene and, and spend time with me and, and other other people and hopefully some other inspiring conscious people. Uh, so I really have a vision of it being a real beautiful meditative uh, meeting place of really cool people from all over the world. Yeah. So that'll be finished in, um, in a year, basically in December, 2021. Beautiful. Wow. Exciting. Mm. Exciting. It is. So um, finally, surreal. yeah. Yeah. So it's so finally, so for you, what is the purpose of all of the work that you do? I, I have no idea, honestly. But I think it's me following my own intuition. I think that's the purpose. Not a hundred percent sure what's kind of happening out in the world as a result. I know I do some good, but uh, I think it's mainly about me trusting and honoring me and hoping that has the right impact. Nathan, it's really been a pleasure. And as I said, really grateful for you. Um, yeah, thank you. I think this is a wonderful conversation for people. There's a lot in here, particularly people who are willing to really, really listen to what's being said here. So thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. And thank you for you. And thank you for your energy and who you are for everyone. It's, it's really beautiful to be with. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Coaching Life Podcast. I'd love to know what are you taking away from this conversation and how will you use that? Email us at coachinglife at philg. And if you'd like someone with over 15 years extensive experience as a professional coach in your corner and as your mentor in building your practice and your prosperous coaching life, my six-month Coaching Life Unleashed program may be perfect for you. It has just four openings each year as I only work with two other coaches at a time. Drop me an email if you'd like more details or to set up a call to explore to see if this highly personalized intensive coaching and mentorship program will be a fit for you in creating and developing your prosperous coaching life and finally if you're enjoying these conversations please share them with your friends and your community and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform it makes a huge difference in helping other people like you get an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life until next time thank you very much for listening i wish you much love and joy